everyone, and welcome on into another episode of Betting the High Line, your go-to destination for all of your picks, parlays, and plays surrounding the beautiful game. I'm Thomas Viola, joined as always by Taylor Wilson, this time through the phone, so pardon any audio issues that we <laughs> might have, guys. Uh, we've been struggling with Taylor's internet down in Bogota today, but it looks like we have finally found a solution. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being on with us, Bruce. And uh, hopefully we can get some sharp insight here on Champions League. I can't believe it's already here. That's yeah. right. It is time for some Champions League breakdown. The round of 16 is upon us. And joining us here today to break it all down, none other than the editor of The Gold Sheet, returning to the show, Bruce Marshall. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Hey, pretty good, Thomas. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you so much for being here today. It's going to be a fun Champions League round. We've got some great matchups to look forward to. It's coming up in the midweek of next week. So this time next week, we'll be already halfway through some of the games. What is the matchup you're looking forward to most, Bruce? I think that this uh, Barcelona PSG is, is the one I'm looking forward to. Although, just so we know here, I mean, there's a lot of curveballs being thrown by UEFA here in some of these countries. The English teams are not being allowed into certain countries, so they're moving a lot of these ties around. Uh, Liverpool and Leipzig are playing in Budapest. Um, Atletico de Madrid and Chelsea will be playing in Bucharest uh, in Romania. So you got Romania in one side, you got Hungary in another. Um, in the Europa League, for what that's worth, uh, Man U, uh, it's, it's game with uh, uh, Real Sociedad has been moved to Turin in Juventus Stadium. Arsenal's playing Benfica in Rome. Uh, so they're, they're having to switch some of these games around because some of these countries aren't letting the English sides in. Uh, how that works, I don't know. I mean, Liverpool's having enough trouble of its own, but they're actually not going to have to play a game at Leipzig. The second leg, they're going to allow them to be played at, at to Liverpool and uh, in Chelsea, as far as I can tell. So uh, that's a little something uh, different coming up that we have to watch in the, the uh, knockout phase when it starts next week. Bruce, looking at that Barcelona PSG game for a second, I'm just trying to get some insight because so I have a PSG ticket. I uh, got it at 11 to 1. It looks like that price just hasn't moved at all. It's still 11 to 1 PSG to win it all. Um, would you recommend kind of a, any kind of a hedge here as far as like thinking about Barca first leg? I'm trying to think about how to play this on the two advanced side, on the first leg side, when I have a PSG future ticket. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you might, uh, you know, in, in the second leg, I, I think you might want to think about that a little more if it's starting to look like, uh, a PSG might not get through, although they have played some very, uh, interesting matches, uh, in, in Europe with Barca in recent years, we recall the comeback Barcelona made uh, a couple of years ago from uh, four goals down in the second leg. There's an extra kicker here with uh, PSG starting to snoop around about the, the possible messy move. We talked about that last uh, time I was on with you guys. And uh, PSG, if that is indeed going to happen, and we'll see. There's a lot of different moving parts to that, but it's possible PSG would get involved in pulling Messi out of Barcelona. We will see. I The, the one that Barcelona is playing a little bit better lately, they've They've been able to uh, pick up the goal scoring in Liga. They've got a nice win streak right now. I think Coleman's just a one-year guy anyway in, in, in charge. Uh, but uh, the, the thing with Barcelona, the last three years at least, 
they have crashed out of the Champions League so spectacularly. It was uh, Bayern Munich last year. Uh, they got into the knockout phase there in, uh, in Portugal. And then uh, uh, two years ago, the collapse against Liverpool. Three years ago, the collapse against Roma. So they, they've had some real uh, spectacular crashing out in this. I think PSG probably advances. So uh, if I were you, I might not hedge yet. Uh, uh, wait till the second leg, then we'll see it a little more, built more clear, I think. Worth noting, Barcelona is the uh, is the home team for the first leg. They are plus 130 favorite on DraftKings to PSG's plus 190 road dog and the draw plus 270 for that first leg. But I, I have to agree with you there, Bruce. I'm, I, I don't trust this Barcelona team. They really don't look that good. And I think that they're going to have enough of a fight trying to win La Liga this year. I don't know how much they're going to be able to focus on the Champions League, especially when this team doesn't look all that built for it. Yeah, and they got a lot of ground to make up. Atletico is running away in, in Liga, so this is really going to have to be Barcelona's focus. But they've been you know, too frail at the back uh, too many times in Europe in the last few years, and uh, we've seen them get ripped open in their games where they got uh, uh, where they uh, got uh, knocked out. Messi can only carry this team so far. I'm not sure I trust Mbele. Uh, Braithwaite's an interesting addition that they picked up last year, uh, but I, I don't think this is a vintage Barcelona side, and I, I'm I don't think they're going to get past this this, uh, this this round of 16 versus PSG. Bruce, what do you think of this Atletico Madrid-Chelsea matchup? Um, I, I just think this is so tight to call. Atletico obviously trying to run away with things domestically in Spain. Chelsea now under Thomas Tuchel getting a little bit of form. I, I've really kind of liked what I've seen over the last few games with what they've done in possession, especially. The big question mark for them remains uh, the lack of a kind of consistent goal scorer. I'm sort of looking for underplays, but it looks like the books are just completely, you know, all over that. And they're aware that that's where things are going to go. Um, what do you like in Atletico Chelsea over the two legs? I, I think Atletico uh, gets them here. Uh, Chelsea, the, the, the fixture list has worked pretty, worked pretty well. There was something wrong, obviously, to move Lampard out when they did. And they've made a little recovery here under Tuchel. Uh, but, um, you know, this, this is a big step up. We've talked before about how, Atletico's defense has been so airtight. Oblak, I think, is now the best goalie in the world. Um, and uh, I, I, I like Simeone has is, is, uh, pulled the, uh, the upset against Liverpool last year. He's gotten to the final twice. He's won, a, he's won a Europa League. He's my favorite coach in Europe, I think. Uh, no team really uh, exemplifies their coach any better than Simeone does. But that defense has been uh, has been so good. What I like a little more about this Atletico side uh, than recent years, uh, you know, Suarez is a really clinical goal scorer that they, they added this year. So they've got a little bit more bite than they usually have had, and we know how good that defense is. I no, I don't think Chelsea's going to get through here. It's uh, they're in an adjustment phase there, and. Uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, listen, they won a champions league when they, they made a switch mid season, I think what eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, but, uh, I don't think it's going to happen with Tuchel here. So I, I'd lean to Atletico. I absolutely love the Atletico shithouse style of soccer that they play. As you said, they emulate Simeone. He is the perfect coach for that system. And they've been able to run it year after year. And I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I like them in this matchup. I know, uh, poor Taylor here's Chelsea has really struggled this season. I, I I like the under in this game 
early on looking out uh, because of course this one's on the 23rd of February. So we got another week to go here before this matchup, but with Atletico at home, is this the time to take them in the individual game? Do you think? Because normally the way that they play, they like to play these is try and score one or two at home and then just box you up on the road. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, I think that's what I would, I would do. Although, um, you know, they're not, they're not playing this at the one in Metropolitano though. Uh, so they're, they're going to be in uh, Romania playing this game. So you wonder if that's going to, I mean, they're not letting fans in Spain anyway, so I'm not sure how much difference that's going to make, but I think it's, a, that's, that's a little negative for Atletico there. I mean, this is a very much a, uh, an away game uh, when they would normally like to be playing this one at on their home stadium. But the, the pattern you mentioned, Tommy is very true. I mean, this is what they did against Liverpool last year. I mean, they got the, they got the lead in the first leg, and, you know, they were trying to close down the second leg and all of a sudden they had to score some goals to get back in it. And they did they end up winning the second leg, too. But I think that's we've seen that's in the past for Simeone, you know, jump out ahead after the first leg. And, uh, you know, I I know the totals are I could see this a one nil uh, for Atletico. So I, I'm not sure I would back off the under uh, in, in this first one, first leg either. I, I, I could see it lower scoring, but Atletico. If you can find a correct score bid and a, a price and you can do this some spots overseas, one nothing Atletico, I think, is a scoreline I would look at. Yeah, an yes. interesting twist there is Chelsea slight favorites to advance, but Atletico actually slight favorites uh, in the futures market, which is, is kind of a little interesting wrinkle. Um, Bruce, let's switch to uh, Leipzig-Liverpool. I really like the value on Leipzig. This is a team that you know, overperformed in this competition last year, made the semis, but it was an impressive run. They don't have quite the same firepower as before, but I love what they are defensively, man. Diaupa Meccano, one of the most underrated defenders in Europe. I think he'll be at a huge club here pretty soon. Guys like Christopher Nkunku and Tyler Adams have taken big steps forward. Obviously the Nagelsmann identity. Am I crazy to think Leipzig could pull this off? No, not at all. I mean, even, uh, you know, a little bit more bite last year when they had Warner, but I mean, they're still formidable, and and right now I I wouldn't mess with Liverpool. I think something is wrong. Actually, I I think when they lost that second leg at home against Atletico last year, that sort of stripped the whole veneer of, of invincibility away from this side. And I know it took them a while. Well, they had the, the long break then, and they eventually ended up losing in the EPL when it looked like they may not lose a match all year. But they really haven't been the same since then. And this year, you throw in. Van Dyke's injury early on, he's such a commanding presence in the back there. A guy that big and that fast. I mean, you can't replace a guy like that. And they haven't been able to replace him. And and they've been missing something all year. And I think it's headed downhill for Klopp here. I, I'm not sure how much. I know he's, he's signed there for a few more years, but they've hit their peak under him. It's not coming back this year. And we saw that over the weekend when Man City took them apart. This is not the same Liverpool. Uh, the only, again, the kicker here is Lipsig doesn't get to play the first leg at home. I mean, they've got to go to Hungary to play this match. So I don't know how that's going to work out uh, for either of these sides here. But Lipsig does have uh, some big match. They were in the Champions League last year. They got down into the late in the knockout phase uh, into the Portugal portion. So the side has some experience, and I like Nagelsmann. I, I wouldn't touch Liverpool. No, I don't think I don't think they've got it, and uh, I I hardly think they're going to recover in the Champions League either. Could I interest you in Leipzig plus two fifty to advance? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Liverpool's a, a spent force right now. And, uh, um, and actually, I don't, I, I don't know after getting hosed like they were by Man City, now they've got to get up next week uh, uh, and, and fly to Hungary right in the middle here. I'm not sure that's sitting well with Liverpool either right now. I think this, right now this is off the tracks for them. So uh, they're a, it's a very risky recommendation on Liverpool. I'd much rather have Leipzig here. Liverpool also has a tough game against Leicester City coming up this weekend. We'll talk more about that one later on when we, uh, when Taylor and I discuss our Premier League picks for the week. But I, I agree. I think that it's going to be really tough for them to try and get up for all of these different games. And while going to Hungary is going to hurt both teams, it's just going to make this Liverpool team even more tired. And we've seen it, especially with these top six sides in the Premier League, just the endless onslaught of midweek matches that we've had this season. It is what makes me think with how tired all of these big teams are. Could you even feel comfortable betting on Manchester city in the long term to try and win this thing? Because right now they sit as the second favorite. They're tied with Bayern Munich at plus 300, but even though they look like world beaters at the moment and they do look like the best team out there, are they going to be able to hold up for the full season? I don't see them having any trouble getting a, uh, getting a past Munchen Gladbach. They sit at minus 1250 to advance in that one. But what do you think about that Manchester City team and their long-term prospects for winning the whole thing? Well, I think they'll get through this next. Like Munchen Gladbach is having some problems right now, so they shouldn't have any trouble in the round of 16. But beyond that, I'm not sure. This has been the bridge too far for City uh, since Pep Guardiola got there. Uh, and even before, I mean, they have not been able to excel in Europe. And this has been a big blot on their resume in recent years. And they're moving to the point in the Champions League, if they can stretch this, I'm sorry, in the EPL, if they can stretch that lead out further, then they can really focus on the Champions League. Because I think right now that's what it's all about. This is what all uh, the oil money owners there and uh, Guardiola in particular, I mean, they are hell-bent to finally do something in the Champions League, but it just doesn't seem to have worked. Every year there seems to be something that comes up. It won't be in the next round. It won't be against uh, Gladbach. but beyond that, I'd be very reluctant to trust them. They just have not seemed to get over the hump in Europe, and it might be mental. I'm not sure. But uh, because of their track record and the fact they have they have failed so often, uh, in the Champions League. Uh, until they do it, I would say they're probably not going to do it. Worth noting that they do have a yeah, game I mean in hand in the Premier League right now, and they sit five points above Man U, who's in second place. I, I agree. I think that they need that. They need to build out that lead in the Premier League. And if there was ever a season to do a double that would be just ridiculously impressive, this would be that season with the way that we've had everything, the shorter off season. I, I, I would be more impressed by this man city team doing a double than I was by the man city team that just absolutely dominated the league on the way to two straight EPL titles. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, this might be the year they do it. They they, I mean, I, they, they look on paper like they're built for it, but they've looked like that before. I mean, I would have thought, you know, a couple of years ago when they got knocked out by a uh, Spurs there, that looked like uh, that looked like the year for them. And here they, they got knocked out. And then last year, you know, it happened again. So um, until they do it, um, I'm going to be skeptical. Bruce, the Real Madrid situation continues just the storyline after storyline. Now Sergio Ramos hurt. Obviously, the Eden Hazard situation has not panned out like they would have hoped after his Chelsea career. Isco is kind of falling out of the team. Three terrible losses in their last six. 
Is this a spot where we think about going Atalanta or is Atalanta also just kind of too unpredictable at this point? Well, I, uh, Taylor, I think they both kind of are now, but I, I, I'd be very reluctant to, to trust uh, Real Madrid, although Atalanta's form has been very up and down, but they do have quite a bit of firepower. But you just get the feeling uh, this whole thing, Real Madrid, um, you know, Zidane is hanging on by a string right now. And I don't think he's going to be there next year, no matter what, even if they, he may not even make it to the end of this season. If they get knocked out in this round uh, by Atalanta, um, they're, they're, they're prone to pull the plug quickly there. And uh, Zidane doesn't have an endless rope. Uh, Sergio Ramos's absence uh, is a, is a negative. He's a commanding presence in the back. He has been for more than a decade there. Um, so they will miss him. I think, you know, the hazard thing hasn't quite worked out. You look at this thing, uh, this, this team is generally getting old and they're not, they're not replenishing as much from their ranks so they can go out the Galactico route if they want. But I think this whole thing is due for a complete overhaul there. And, and you wonder the next, you know, you know, a few years, how it's going to go. They were able, they had enough firepower, certainly when Cristiano Ronaldo was there to kind of overcome, uh, some of these other structural flaws they might've had, but you know, they look, you know, pretty uh, ordinary most weeks uh, when I watch them in the league now and, and uh, the pressure on Zidane, I, I just wonder if Atalanta has decided to knock them out. I, I actually think Atalanta is probably going to advance out of this round. I don't think Real Madrid's got it right now. And the Zidane thing, this, this term for Zidane, Zidane looked a little curb last week. I know in, in a press conference there, he seen, that's the first time I've seen him sort of lose his cool in a press conference. And, uh, so the pressure is mounting there as it always does at Real uh, Madrid. And I think they could go out. I really do. Bruce, has there been a time in recent memory that you can recall where both La Liga big players were this bad? And of course, bad is a relative term for both of these teams, but normally it's one or the other where Barcelona or Real Madrid has a dip. But now all of a sudden the league's been blown wide open. Atletico of course has the lead in it and they look like the best team to advance out of the three here in the Champions League. Oh, yeah. I mean, Atletico looks much, much more solid than either. It's been a while, you know, uh, maybe one of those years, even when Atletico was, had, had won the Liga in recent memory. I mean, usually they're getting chased by Barcelona. Ever since, you know, Messi really arrived in the scene, they've been uh, for about 15 or so years now, they've been in the mix. You might have to go back to when uh, uh, Valencia won the league or Depor or Atletico in 96 when it won the league and they were, they were pretty uh, home and, and clear. Uh, and it was not a, a vintage year for Real Madrid or Barcelona, but you're going back decade plus. Um, but it's just, it's a strange year. Um, you know, we're, we're at the point you may also see no London teams get represented in, in the champions league for next fall. And that's not happened in over 20 years. So, uh, there seems to be sort of a switch in the uh, the pecking order here in Europe, and that's sort of like college basketball in the states this year, isn't it? You know, Duke, Kentucky, yeah. Michigan State, where are they? You mm -hmm. know, and the same thing sort of happening in Euro soccer. Yeah, uh, Bruce, going back to last year, which obviously into the knockouts last season was also just as crazy, this one leg single elimination situation. But we saw Leipzig make the semifinals. We saw Lyon make the semifinals. Atalanta were a heartbreaking last five minutes away. What team do you see going on a, a Cinderella run this year, Bruce? Sevilla, for one. Lopetegui is really an outstanding manager, and he just got caught in in the in, in the 
gear shifts of Spanish soccer a couple of years ago when uh, he had the national team and uh, Real Madrid came calling and messed up everything. And then he had to leave this national team and then the whole Real Madrid thing was blew up in his face. Players have sworn who have played for him and even guys on that Spanish side said this was the best coach we ever had. And we're seeing that with Sevilla now. Um, they are so solid. Uh, they are their their structure is so well done, and they are they've picked up the pace very nicely lately. They're going to beat Borussia Dortmund, which is struggling right now in uh, in the next round. Um, and I, I like, I mean, various guys who have stepped up and have, have scored big goals for them. And, uh, uh, we've seen Agnesri do it. Ocampos is doing very, very well. There, there's a, there's a several match winners on this side, even in a veteran twins. Jesus Navas has been around for a long time. He created that goal that Iniesta scored to win the 2010 world cup. So he is a veteran presence there. And Sevilla is the side. I actually think I'd take a flyer on them to win this whole thing. They know how to win in Europe. They won the Europa league again. last wow. week. So uh, keep an eye. They know knockout football is not bad for Sevilla. All right. It, devast like it devastates it. me because I have a Borussia Dortmund ticket from back when I was much, much higher on that team before the entire Favre uh, situation played out. I, I love the amount of talent that Dortmund has, but you're completely right. They are not a team in good form right now. Sevilla, though, 35 to 1. That is well in flyer territory for a good call to try and, uh, try and take a shot and get some serious value on winning the whole tournament. Yeah, I think so. Uh, plus, uh, full disclosure, my wife is from Sevilla, so um, I sort of have to say that. But I know I like it. <laughs> Got to make her happy. Yep. Bruce, real quick, I want to get your thoughts on the reigning champs. Lazio versus Bayern Munich. Bayern took a little bit of a dip uh, right around Christmas time. The break definitely helped them. They currently still sit at the favorite at three to one. They play. They play Lazio in this in this first round. The first game, they're minus one sixty two favorites on the road. What do you think about this team's chances to repeat? Well, they've got a chance. I mean, it is very difficult to repeat. I mean, I know Real Madrid did it recently, but it had been a long time since anybody had done that beforehand. And what Bayern Munich was able to do last year, um, they stayed. I thought after the uh, they the pause, and they came back a little sooner. In, in Bundesliga than the other leagues, they handled all of that much better. It was sort of like, you know, in the, in the States here, in the, in the NBA, you know, the, the, the Lakers handled the, the, the bubble a lot better than the Clippers did or the Bucks. Um, and mm. in, a, in an odd sort of a year like that, Bayern Munich, just the whole structure there. And, and uh, you know, they, they made the, the coaching switch last year and it, and it worked for them, but the, the veteran presence on the side really, uh, really helped. Now I, some of these guys have something to prove. They've been dropped from the national side, so they're this is they're going to be focusing here in the Champions League. But I don't know that those dynamics are quite the same this year because uh, you know there's other teams that look like they're rounding into form right now. And Bayern Munich really handled everything pretty well last year. They will probably get by this next next phase. Although Lazio is going to be tricky, but it's tough to win this thing back to back. So my gut feeling is they won't do it. Wow. Okay. One more team that I wanted to get your thoughts on before we go, Porto versus Juventus. And Juventus is another one of those teams that kind of sits in that mid-tier, mid the tier two of teams to win it all at 11-1. to 1 with, They're right there with PSG. 
you have Cristiano Ronaldo, and that's always a great thing to have in your back pocket, especially when it comes to winning a Champions League. But do you think that the Italian side can put it all together? No, I don't think they can. Um, they're not. Uh, they've lost some matches that they normally have won in Syria. Ah, so it looks like they're going to relinquish a, a title. They've won pretty much straight for the last decade. Uh, they still need, this has been sort of a disorganized year. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo had to miss a, a few matches. Um, they haven't had all of their other guys there for the most part. Uh, Dybala is a very important uh, secondary scorer there for them, and he's missed several matches, and they just haven't seemed to put, you know, everybody on, on the pitch, and their performance has, has shown that. Uh, I think they could have trouble with Porto. Um, and I'm just not quite seeing that same zip from, uh, Juventus as, uh, we had seen in the past, certainly domestically, we're not seeing it. And I think they've just had too much, uh, uh, unsettling in their, their roster with injuries and guys missing with COVID and all that. Uh, it's, it's, this isn't their year. And I'd be surprised if they get, they could get to the final eight, but I don't think they get beyond that. I'm yeah. I mean, I, I was already, I, I was. I was eyeing them on that just close to even first leg price, Bruce, but you might be talking me out of it. That, that might be a minus 103 for a reason. Yeah, they're, they're too many times this year that the, they haven't scored. Goal. The offense has really misfired. And, uh, you know, draw price, keep that in mind too for some of these matchups. Uh, that uh, Porto might be able to fluster them here. So, you know, keep that in mind too. It won't be, it's not been as pretty for Juventus this year. And that's what I think will cost them here in the, in the Champions League. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us here today. We really appreciate uh, your time and all of the Champions League thoughts. One final question before we let you go. If you had to pick your three favorite teams for this tournament, who are you looking at? Sevilla for one. I'll keep them in there. Uh, I'll definitely keep them in there. And Atletico too. Wouldn't it be something we get those two uh, in, in the final? And uh, probably uh, PSG. Um, getting all the way to the final last year, you know, all that money they spent on these guys and they came so darn close last year. So something tells me, you know, this might be their year, but uh, those three I'm looking at and that one super flyer in their Sevilla really keep an eye on them. I think they could be dangerous. Whole lot of value in Bruce Marshall's picks. Once again, editor of the gold sheet, where can people find you, uh, find you and your work, Bruce? Thanks, Tommy. Check us out online, goldsheet.com. Uh, we have got uh, everyday gold sheet basketball, new format this year. Very well received. And picks daily. That includes soccer on the, the weekends and, of course, NHL and NBA and college hoops. Goldsheet.com. My picks there also at Vegas Insider and DonBest.com. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Bruce Marshall, editor of the Gold Sheet. Thank you so much for coming on with us today, Bruce. Okay, boys. Thank you. All right. Once again, thank you so much to Bruce Marshall joining us to give us a good Champions League primer. I am so excited for the Champions League to be coming back. We'll see if we can't get some more plays out to you guys next week when it's exactly upon us for the first game days. But for now, we turn our attention to the weekend slate. And let's start, Taylor, by acknowledging I am officially in a slump. I went over three again. That's over six on my last three on my last six best bets. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I, I, thought, I thought we had a collectively a pretty good week. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to make you really mad then because I went 3-0. There you go. At least at least one of us is making money right now. I have officially slipped into the negative for 2021. Uh, I'm now 6-9, and nine, so I have a nice record there, but it's minus 1.73 units. 
All right. Well, I'm eight and seven, so I went from five and seven, eight and seven. Remember I said last week, hey, you can win it all back in a week, and uh, that's pretty much what's happened. I've gotten back up to plus 1.95 units here since we restarted the count uh, at the beginning of the new year. I hit that under two and a half Spurs Chelsea, which, by the way, I mean, if there was ever a game where you wish to put like 10 units down on, that was the game. And from the beginning, it was clear that that under was going to hit in Spurs Chelsea last week. (laughs) I thought that the I thought that the Liverpool City under was going to hit, and then Liverpool folded like a house of cards. Well, Allison seemed like he might have had some money on the game. I, I mean, I don't understand <laughs> what was happening with him and goal, but I, I, I'm always partial to goalies. That defense did him no favors. I understand that, but like I, I don't, dude, the one where he dribbled it out to like the left side. I don't, oh, I that mean, was the, terrible. The communication across the board was terrible, but I don't know, man. This team, and obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to Jurgen Klopp, who lost his mother this week, but they're just completely unraveling at this point. And it's it's so hard to bet on them at this point because they're they are now the team in the official slump, and they don't. It doesn't get any easier because they play Leicester City this week. Leicester's plus two thirty five as a home dog. Liverpool, the road favorite at plus one fourteen, and the draw plus two fifty five, but. This is this is a tough game to handicap at this point. My feelings on it, I actually like Liverpool plus the half a goal because I want a little bit of insurance. It's minus one thirty six, and I just see this game ending in a and ending in a possible draw. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a terrible play. I, I'm trying to stay away from this one in all likelihood. Um, you know, that's a ton of value on Leicester. Just keep in mind, Barty. The assumption is Vardy will still not be back for this. I haven't seen anything that, in, that indicates that he will be back, um, still injured, which the, the difference in that team, I mean, this is not a hot take, but they are a completely different team without him on the pitch. All oh, the we've positivity that they do in midfield doesn't lead anywhere. Ianacho is not the answer. Iose Perez is not the answer. They need Vardy out there. We've said it multiple times. This team runs through Vardy, and the problem is when, you're dealing, when, you're, when your team runs through a striker in his mid-30s, you're going to have problems. When I don't know what the backup plan was, right? Like, it doesn't seem like they've gone out and done the right business to try to find a goal scorer to replace him. That, you know, a guy like James Madison can score goals, but he's really more comfortable in, like, a number 10 kind of playmaking role. Um, they need to go out and get another true center forward, and theoretically, they're in an okay financial position to do so. So maybe this summer we'll see what they do there. But for now, I think anytime Barty's not on the pitch, it's, it's either a fade or a stay away. I think you're in the right frame of mind with the kind of plus half goal. Um, I might even think just taking the draw straight up there with some good value, but I'm probably plus, staying away from this one. Plus 255, I don't hate it, but I could also see Liverpool. That, that offense, when they when they click, they are still potent, but the problem is that they haven't been clicking yeah. lately. Moving on, Palace versus Burnley. Next slate on the docket, and you have a you have a play to make in that one, don't you, Taylor? I love these under two and a quarter plays, Tom. I'm laying a little bit of juice on it again here at minus 129. I was looking for a a Burnley move as well on the side. The books kind of have that one nailed down where you're going to be hard-pressed to find value. I might look for a live Burnley play if they go up early, maybe even an exacta to try to kind of couple with my under two and a quarter. But I did well making, uh, making money on the under two and a quarter Last week on uh, Burnley Brighton, I think this is a good range where you're laying a little bit of juice, but for a play that I think is in good shape to happen, I think two goals is the max that you're looking at here. You get enough protection on one side of that quarter ball play. 
to make it worth it. So, um, you know, we know what Burnley does. We know what they force teams like Palace to do as well. Uh, give me under two and a quarter, lay in minus 129. Brighton, meanwhile, unbeaten in their last five. And they're going to take on an Aston Villa team that's uh, three and two in their last five, but has been doing okay. That one seems a little bit like a toss-up to me. This Aston Villa team, they've been good, and then they've been bad. It's been so hot and cold for them in the, as of late. And this Brighton team has been just as hard to predict. I mean, they have the draw versus Wolves and a 1-0 loss to Arsenal and then a 1-0 victory over Hotspur. All that with a 0-0 draw with Fulham in there. What are you thinking in this game? Brighton plus 170, Villa plus 155 on the road. I kind of like Villa, but I I, I just don't know that I want to make a play in, on either of these teams right now. Despite a little bit of recent form for Brighton, I, you know, I'm still a fave Brighton guy. I think when you match them up against a lot of teams across the Premier League, they don't match up particularly well. I think this Villa game is the same deal. This Villa midfield is going to overpower them. You bring in a guy recently, marvelous Nakamba, excuse me, great name, uh, into the midfield who was awesome in that last win over Arsenal for Villa. Obviously, the Jack Rila show continues. If Ali Watkins is going to get to be scoring goals regularly, Villa is a genuine Europa League contender. But I honestly, they're kind of my new Southampton at this point, Villa. They're definitely a little more inconsistent than you would like, as you mentioned. But this at plus 155, I think Villa is the better team. I like that price. I like how they match up player to player. I'm taking Villa plus 155. Worth mentioning that Villa is a team that's right right on the cusp of being a top six side this season. They have a game in hand over most of the teams above them and sit in ninth place with 35 points. But Chelsea's in fifth with 39, and they've played two more games. This is, this yep. is a team that has been able to potentially make it into that top six. And my problem is I just can't fade this Brighton team consistently because they, they haven't been bad. They play... So they vacillate so wildly between playing well and beating teams like Liverpool back before Liverpool was really in this slide. They weren't, they weren't the best team in the league at that point, but still it was an impressive win for Brighton. And then they come out and they just play some really weird games. I'm with you. I like Villa, but I don't think that I want any part of a game with two inconsistent sides. All right. Fair enough. Just keep in mind, just, to reiterate the Villa story of this season, if you were to talk about this team, even like what, three weeks from the final match day, they looked guaranteed to get relegated to the championship. So like you say, the fact that they're even having a chance to play European footy next year is insane. It's wild. It's like they switched bodies with Sheffield United this season. <laughs> Moving on to another team. You want to talk about inconsistency on the highest level. Everton takes on Fulham and Everton minus 125 is the favorite here. Fulham plus 340. You are insane if you lay any amount of juice with Everton this season. I'm, I'm sorry, but this is my team and they are the weirdest team in the league. They proved it once again with the 3-3 draw with Manchester United over the weekend. This team makes no sense. They lost to Newcastle in, in, in the match before that. And then they go out and do that against Man U. And I said it. I said it last week on the show. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe take a flyer on Everton Moneyline there when they were five to one against Man U. And sure enough, they did come out and do some weird stuff, which is exactly what I said would happen. Well, there you go. Both of my plays there hit as well. The over uh, 2.75 and the Everton plus a goal and a quarter. So uh, both of those ended up working out. What a weird game that was. 
Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, getting dominated in, in periods of that game and then building their way back in in the second half. And then if you're a Man U fan, losing that 3-2 lead literally right at the buzzer, uh, just brutal. But good point for Everton to pick up. Having said all of that, I think you're absolutely right. This feels like a massive trap game for Everton. This feels like a fade Everton situation. Fulham, they've drawn eight of their last 11 matches in the league, which is a pretty astonishing stat. And in a lot of those games, they're completely in it, man. I mean, you look back to like the West Brom six-pointer. I know it's West Brom, but they should have won a disappointing draw. They had that draw against Liverpool not that long ago. They had that game against Chelsea that we keep mentioning here on the show where they lost, but really could have won if they didn't get a red card in that game. This is a team with some real positivity, despite the fact that they're not getting results. I want to try profiting on it here with a plus half goal line, slight plus price, plus 105. And I got to say, Tom, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Fulham plus 340, just because I think that's an insane price. And one of these, I mean, you could look at these draw stats and say, oh, maybe you should think about the draw and that's fair. I just kind of feel like some of these draws are eventually going to turn into wins for them. And this could be one of them, but I'm definitely taking the plus half a goal. Um, and I might take a little flyer on plus 340 straight up. I don't hate that either, especially uh, we're still waiting to see if James Rodriguez is going to play in this game. A couple of other injury designations for Everton that make it even dicier. And I'm not really sure to think of Olsen, what to think of Olsen, their, their second keeper. He, he's looked decent at times, and then other times it's like, is he playing hurt and between him and Pickford, Everton's goalkeeping situation just can be rough sometimes. Pickford, another one of those maddeningly inconsistent players, which just makes him perfect for this team. But Fulham needs to start getting some of these draws turned into wins soon because they currently sit in 18th, but they are eight points back of Burnley in 17th there. And if they want to get out of the relegation zone, and they've been playing like a team that deserves to stay up, but I don't think that they've turned, they, they haven't been able to turn the results. And I think that we're still going to see them go down because of it. But if there's ever a chance to pull some value on a Fulham play, I think this is the spot versus Everton. Yeah, fully agree. Um, I, you know, Everton, so inconsistent. I like when, look, when that Everton team is full strength, full tilt, um, and the attack is working like we saw in the first couple months of the season, it's one of the more fun teams in this league. And there were pockets of that Manchester United game where you saw some of that as well. But like you say, just there's still always too many question marks. Classic Everton, even with the positivity, even with a great manager, can't quite get over the hump. Hopefully next season they're able to finally do that. I would love to see it. But this season it's just the same old story. They've been at least at least that their ceiling has been better this season than it has been in, in, in the past. They're still inconsistent, yeah. but I feel like the floor and the ceiling have gotten a little bit closer where th this team can play at the highest level and compete with some of these big teams and possibly get a European spot this season. But man, that floor bottoms out sometimes. What one more game here to really go over in the Premier League? And two months ago, you would have balked at these odds. Manchester City minus 315 at home versus Tottenham, who's plus 750. The draw at 480. And two, two months ago, Tottenham might have been in the, the favorite in this contest. Now, a far, yep. far cry. No Harry Kane. And this team, they've kind of skipped that Mourinho second season of success and gone straight to the implosion. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, referencing back to that Chelsea game was <clears throat> I think there's a case to be made. That was the worst performance I've seen from a team in this league 
maybe other than some of those early season Sheffield United games, but that performance against Chelsea, considering it's a rivalry game and all of that, um, was so bad from Tottenham. Now, the caveat there is they didn't have Harry Kane in that game. They got him back over the weekend, and you saw the positivity that a dude like Kane re-injects in the team. Granted, it was West Brom, but they did get back in the win column over the weekend. Having said all of that, Man City is the hottest team in the world right now, Tom. I mean, this team is on fire, um, and I, this isn't an overreaction because of the Liverpool game either. They've been on fire for three months at this point, and I think you have to be looking at City plays. So, you know, the numbers in this one, not great. You're not finding a ton of value anywhere unless you somehow are a Tottenham believer. I think I have to take Man City at a goal and a half, to be honest with you. I, you know, I'm not even entirely sure I'm going to bet this game, but if I did, it has to be somewhere on that goal line. I think Man City is much better than Tottenham. You're laying a little on the one and a half as well. It's not a bet that I adore, but um, that's probably the one I would circle. Man City minus a goal and a half at minus 110 to just have some City action and, and fade Tottenham at this point. I I just hate that juice. Like you you have to score two, you have to be, win by two goals, and you're not even making even money back. That's that's a little. Yeah, you'd rather get like a buck fifty, like plus one fifty. Yeah. But that's why I'm going the other way at even money. I'm still fading Tottenham, but I'm going with Tottenham not to score a goal. Tottenham under a half goal at even money. Oh, okay. I don't hate that. That's interesting. <clears throat> that's very interesting. I, I just I, I don't like this team still, and I love the defense that we're getting out of City. And you know the way that Mourinho plays these games; he plays a very cagey counterattack, and I think that the City's defense is just going to be able to handle that. Yeah, one moment of brilliance from Kane and Son on the counter beats that, which would not surprise me. But at the same time, like so, this has happened on Jose teams in the past, where it's like, oh, like this is a defensive and counteracting team. Great, that's fine if you're good at those two things but they've gotten worse defensively and they've gotten worse on the counter. (laughs) So it's not like they're doing really anything particularly well at this point. Like this is a system that works. If, you know, let's think about wolves last year. Like if this wants to be wolves ultra where you just get out and kind of like these great fast break teams in the NBA, right. You know, you you hit them with speed, you hit them with all of this great passing ability, but you're not seeing that right now for Tottenham. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting say Tottenham move. I think, especially the other side of things, how good City has been defensively, which you mentioned, Tom. I, I think that's part of that as well. So I might, I might follow you up on that. I, I just, uh, I mean, what, what is Tottenham positively bringing into this game? Harry Kane's back. That, that, that's about it. Yeah. That this team <laughs> yeah. has been so far on the slide. I, I think that this is the implosion. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. It's going to be interesting to see what their kind of priorities are the rest of the season because they're in a ton of competition still. You know, they. They're only yeah. a game away from that coveted silverware, but guess who they have to play in the League Cup final? It's this Man City team. Um, they're in the Europa League round of 32. Who knows what they're trying to do there? I I don't know. At this point, you probably can't fire Mourinho in mid-February. It's a weird time to change managers. Not to say it hasn't been done before. but I think um, they'll wait till the I, end of the season. It's interesting. Yeah, as the thinking shift toward the end of the year. Yeah, as long as they're still in contention for some of these trophies, I don't think they're going to make any kind of managerial change yet, but... I, I don't feel positive about this team at all. Just like I don't feel positive about my record on the last two weeks of best bets, but let's see if we can change that this week. Taylor, I'll defer to you for the first best bet. So my first, I, I'm just loving Burnley unders again, man. I'm back on the Burnley under train. I'm going under two and a quarter, laying some juice, but especially for a best bet play to try to help that record out. 
Uh, I'm going under 2.25, minus 129 in Crystal Palace, Burnley. All right. I, I like that. I might follow you on that. I might just go with the two and a half straight up, but we'll see. I certainly like the under in that game myself, but I'm going to go Leicester City, Liverpool, and I'm going to go Liverpool plus a half goal. I want that draw protection at minus 136. I could see this game ending in a, in, in a draw, but I, I don't want to take Liverpool straight up to win it, even when you're getting plus money on them on the road versus a Leicester City team that's without Vardy. Yeah, that's fair logic. Uh, my second best bet, going a play that I think you want to not touch in any way, but I'm going best bet, Villa, plus 155. I really like this team. I'm not a huge Brighton guy. I like that price. Aston Villa, plus 155, best bet. I just don't feel comfortable playing that game either way. I don't like betting on two inconsistent teams like that. That's why I'm staying away from Everton Fulham as well. I'm going to take that Tottenham under a half goal. I don't think that they score this weekend. Plus 106. I love that. I love that. I think I'm following you on that as well. And my final best bet, I am going to that Everton Fulham game. I'm not going Everton. I'm going Fulham plus that half goal at a slight plus price, plus 105. As I've said, I'm thinking about a Fulham money line outright win play as well, but not a best bet, of course, there. Going Fulham plus a half goal, best bet. See, I, I just, I, I don't like that play at all because this Everton team is so hard to predict where, yeah, I, I honestly like the Fulham money line play better because you're at least getting a little more value there. And I, I still wouldn't make it a best bet. I agree with you there. It, it's more of just a play on the number, but this Everton team is just as likely to go out and put up three goals and win the game, win, win the game outright by two. And it's just, it all depends on which Everton team is going to show up. Traditionally, against the worst teams right now, it has been the bad Everton, and you're getting the better side with Fulham, but it's just not something I want to put my money into. All right. Well, we will see. Uh, I, you know, that, that draw streak is really fascinating to me. And yeah, I think you're right. Like, if you, if you think they're, they have to win eventually, maybe you look for better value, but I'm fine with plus 105. I, I think. Plus a half goal is a solid zone for me on this. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my final best bet. We'll see what happens. That's fair. I mean, we will see. Lord knows my streak lately has not been good. So I, more, more power to you on when, whenever we're going to be opposed on one of those plays. For my final best bet, I am going over to Germany because I am not having much success in the Premier League right now. And so I need to take a little vacation and it's time to hop on old reliable, the fade Schalke train. They're playing Union Berlin. Let's Union go. Berlin minus 136 favorite at home. Schalke four to one on the road as a dog. The draw plus 265. Give me Union Berlin straight up. I, I, I need a win here. This is a slump buster. What's that Union price again? Minus 136. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything inside minus 150. I, I'm taking that as well. Uh, good job flagging that one. I love a love a fade Schalke as we do on this show. So uh, well done there. Yeah, Happy hasn't been scoring the goals that he scored at the beginning. Do you want a wild stat here before we go? Yeah, hit me. Schalke's goal differential this season. Take a guess. Oh God. Um, I mean, how many games have they played? Twenty. Twenty. 20 exactly yes uh minus in the uh minus 30 minus 37 goals oh my god they're one five and 14 this team is so bad 
it, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable. Also, the Bundesliga title race is all but wrapped up. Uh, Leipzig sits seven points oh, yeah. back to Bayern now. That that was fun while it lasted, but Bayern has asserted their dominance once again. That's going to do it for us here on the show. Thank you again so much to Bruce Marshall for joining us today to talk Champions League. We'll be back at you guys next week. For now, I'm Thomas Viola. You can follow me at TV at Work, both on Twitter and on the Book It Sports app. Download the Book It Sports app today, wherever you really get your apps. And you can also find Taylor Wilson on the Book It Sports app at TWill with one L and on Twitter at ATLTWill. Taylor, it has been a pleasure as always. Always a pleasure, Tom. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Best of luck this weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one.